Philadelphia Union, San Jose Earth, DC, Los Angeles Galaxy, Beach Pass, Colorado Rapids, Vancouver Whitecaps, Seattle Sounders, Montreal Impact, Flash USA, York Red Bulls, Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. How fantastic was the last weekend of action in MLS? I mean, seriously, if you are not using the hashtag MLS snob, then I don't know what to tell you. It has just been a phenomenal last few weeks, and it's only going to get better as we make the last playoff push in the MLS season. Are you using that hashtag? You should. Hashtag MLS snob. Show your pride in your league. Gosh, why don't you? And then go to pitchpass.com and check out everything about this show. And if you don't follow us on Twitter while you're using that hashtag, wait, you can use hashtags on Facebook as well. Use it on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag MLS snob. But follow us on Twitter at pitchpass. Think you'll enjoy today's show, especially if you are knee deep in MLS playoff push action. Two teams battling for a playoff spot. Philadelphia Union. And Montreal Impact will be focusing on those two teams for this edition of Pitch Pass. Later, we'll talk to Amanda Stein, who covers the Impact for TSN 690 in Montreal. But first, we head to Philly, where the Union are in the middle of their playoff push. And we'll talk Philadelphia Union, playoff push, Spanish, and more with midfielder Danny Cruz, who joins us right now on the show. Danny, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Well, hang on. First, I I teased a little bit in our opening. Um, We didn't pull you out of Spanish class, did we? No, no, I'm uh, I'm done. Got done around seven o'clock, so I'm good. Okay, so so you're just wrapping up. So you, do you would you be comfortable conducting this interview in Spanish now? No way. <laughs> I'm on my I'm on my way though. Okay, I'll so do that in two more months. Okay, so how does how does how does Danny Cruz decide I want to take Spanish lessons, and then where do you go to take the classes? So I actually. Um... I decided I wanted to do it. I, obviously, there was a lot of a, a big Latin fan base, um, not only in D.C., but in Houston. Um, and um, I'm still taking classes to try to get my bachelor's degree. And my academic advisor actually said, look, we need to satisfy multicultural um, credit. Why don't you take some sort of foreign language? And I'm like, easy. Why don't I do that? So I, I actually found a class here, or uh, sorry, a community college here that uh, – um, has a Spanish class, and I prefer to learn hands-on, so I go to the community college here twice a week and just kind of learn. And so, uh, like, and then what happens? You take the class, you ace it, and then you it applies to your credits for where you're matriculating at? Exactly, to my bachelor's degree uh, at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. So I'm taking them here, but they're going to... Uh, they're going to transfer over to uh, to my my major university. And I figure that Spanish is a no brainer choice. Were there any other languages that you were in that were in the running for for you to learn? No, no, not at all. I mean, my dad's fluent in Spanish, um, so I needed to learn it. I want to learn it anyway, and it's actually been pretty. It, it hasn't been difficult at all because we have actually a few. We have a, quite a few Spanish speakers on my team now. Um, so whenever there's any issues, I go ahead and go to them. So it's pretty easy. Yeah, and I, and that's why I thought it'd be no brainer, just because of the Spanish speakers that you probably have you run into throughout the world of soccer. Absolutely. Although there are three people on my team who speak French, so I could have gone that route if I wanted to. So you're, what, I was going to ask what your backup was because I figured it would be French or maybe Portuguese might be in yeah, play. Yeah, it was French. Okay. All right. And I don't like I remember reading something uh, with Tony Gonzalez, the football player uh, years ago. And they were saying he was saying he was learning Spanish to open up some endorsement opportunities. And he also said, you know, with his last name, people were always thrown off that he didn't know Spanish. Has that ever happened to you? Because Cruz could be. Oh, man. Yeah. When I was in when I was in Houston, people would get so upset with me when I go to appearances. 
um, because I couldn't speak to him back in <laughs> Spanish. And I can hold a conversation. I always have been able to. How are you? Where are you from? Um, how's your day going? Things like that. That's no problem. How old are you? But once you start getting into a little bit more, um, you know, actual regular Spanish, I started to struggle. And then they started to realize I didn't really speak the language. And some fans actually kind of took it to heart, you know, and, and I'd have to explain the situation and why. But now I'm trying, I'm learning, and it's getting better. So Yeah, there's nothing worse than that sigh when people have that realization. Oh, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> absolutely. All right, so I wanted to ask you, uh, Philly is my hometown, so I got nothing but love for love where you, for where you are now. Um, but you were coming from D.C., which is where I'm at now. So I'm going to ask you to put your politician's hat on for a second and tell me, let's see, let's see how slippery you can be. Name one area where Philly is better than D.C. Ooh, um, you know what? I would say the food. Mm-hmm. Any particular style of food? No, just in general, there's so many, uh, you know, I love to cook, um, or I did before I came here. Um, but since I've came here, I've really tried to get out more, um, with my girlfriend and kind of see the city and, um, and see the different restaurants. There's so many good, there's a lot of Steven star restaurants, mm-hmm. um, a lot of different types of food and, um, just overall atmosphere from, from different things like that, I would say. Um, is a little bit better here as opposed to there. You know, and that's kind of probably counter to the way people think because I think people think of Philly, Baltimore the same way, kind of like blue-collar town, so you don't figure they're going to have these upscale restaurants, but they really do. Correct. They do, though. I have to ask you, um, because the, the thing that I miss most about Philly as far as food's concerned, um, people always go, oh, you probably miss the cheesesteaks, and I go, ah, you get the good bread. You can get a good cheesesteak almost anywhere. Soft pretzels, I can't get anywhere around here in D.C. I can honestly say I have not had one. Oh, come on, here. Danny. What are you doing? One year. I've been here a year now. Man, it's flown by, but I really haven't had one. I really haven't. Because yeah, they're so hard to find, Danny, in Philly. Yeah. They're only on every corner of every street in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. That is very true. Uh, I need to get on that. I'll, you, I'll tell you what, I'll get on that uh, once the season's over. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say maybe are you not? Can you not eat pretzels in season? Like you try to stay away from bread and stuff like that? No, I mean when it's closer to, or when it's like the day after a game, um, I'll splurge a little bit. But okay. um, honestly, I just haven't done it because I haven't, I haven't even really seen it that much. Believe it or not, I really haven't. You're not looking, Danny. I live in I live in Old City. Oh my God! Um, so there's not Danny. They're literally on every corner. <laughs> Come on! Uh, well, listen, I haven't walked up to any of those little corner markets. If that makes you feel any better. <laughs> okay. So. All right. Listen. Sometime I would say before December, I want to see uh, on Twitter an Instagram picture taken by you of you okay. uh, of a soft pretzel I with, can with mustard. You that. Okay. I can promise you, I'll give you that. All right. All right. I'm going to hold All you right. that. I'm going to hold you that. Good. Now, Good. speaking of Twitter. And I don't want to open up a, a bad can of worms, but I, I have you here, and this is a great forum for you to kind of expound on some things you were talking about today on Twitter. Uh, and that is the article that Kurt Larson put, uh, wrote for the Toronto Star today, or the Toronto Sun today, uh, about you. And the weird thing to me about the article was that it, it seemed to me as if he was framing it as what he was saying is a good thing. Um, but his point was a bad thing. And and judging by your Twitter comments, you took that as a bad thing, correct? Yeah, look, uh, I, I don't want to go too deep into it. No. Um, you know, I don't want to give it any more. But, but for me, what I was upset about was 
um, if people, people that know me, I think, you know, me, you've, you've seen me around the team and the guys that know me, um, I'm a pretty genuine person and I, I take to heart things when, when my, when my character is being questioned. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me to call me, um, the dirtiest player in the MLS is, is for me, it's, it's going against my character because you're saying that it's, it's something that I take pride in. It's something that I go on the field and try to do. And, and for me, it was, I'm, I'm nothing like that. Do I work? I work as hard as I can every single time I step on the field. And in no, no moment, especially three games away when we're fighting for a playoff spot, am I ever trying to hurt anybody on the field? Um, and if you look at my, and that's the one thing that I posted out there was look at my cards and yeah. look at my, I've gotten one red card and it was actually a double yellow. So I've never been sent off in the league since I've been in the league. And I would assume that someone who's the dirtiest player in the league probably has been. Um, so for me, I was a little bit upset about that just from a character standpoint. Um, he did say he was trying to, it was a, you know, like you said, he, I think numerous times tried to say there were different people that were kind of going at him, that it was, um, it wasn't supposed to be meant as a, it's not a bad thing, but for me it is, but look, I'm not going to change the way that I play. I'm not going to, you know, it just, it was a moment I've had a lot going on in my family and my life and it just. To, if I could, if I could just not respond, I would have gone back. Even though what I, I I've seen people say a lot worse on there, professional athletes. So. It, it's hard. It's hard not to respond though when you, when you see that on Twitter. And I think the well, th- especially when everybody's going at you, you know, yeah. and whether it was good or bad. I, in, in my defense, I had a lot of silly supporters, and and that's kind of um, you know a testament to our fan base. And I, I really am thankful for that and for the support that everybody gave me today. Um, you know, but I I, I was most upset about him saying that I headbutted him in college. I'm all about <laughs> reporters being able to write whatever they want, say whatever they want to say, having an opinion. I'm not okay with someone lying to support their, their article. And, you know, my coach actually shot me a text, my coach from UNLV once he read the article and he was pretty shocked about the fact that someone said, I've never headbutted anybody. I wouldn't, it's not, that wouldn't be my first course of action either. So if he wants to say that, he's entitled to that, but that's not me. It's not me as a human being or a person. The thing that rubbed me the wrong way um, about the article was the, the numerous times he compared you to uh, the NHL Sean Avery. Um, and to me, that, that's, that's just a total, that's a bad job of, of a comparison because um, the, the inference is that you have no other skills other than to antagonize, which, you know, I, if you, I don't know if you've watched any game that you played in. Um, you got skills, Danny. You got skills. <laughs> I appreciate that. And you know what, though, to be to be fair and, and I'll give him uh, to be fair to where where uh, words do. Um, he did say that I was and, and in his defense, he did say that I was much more talented at my sport than Avery yes. was at his. And I'll, I will. If you reread it, you'll see that. And, 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 but I look, he, he wrote an article. He's perfectly, um, I'm, I'm completely okay with that. I'm okay with him calling me a dirty player as well. I'm okay with, with him having that opinion. He's completely entitled to that. The only thing I took, I, I took to heart and that I was upset about is that he, um, had, he had said that I had butted him and yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like someone using, putting someone uh, a story in there that for me, um, including my coach, is just untrue. And, and that's what, what I was most upset about. Well, um, and again, I think you know me well enough. Most people that know me away from the field um, 
know the type of person that I am. And that's why I take things like this to heart, because the people that don't know me are going to read that Definitely. and think that I'm just some guy who goes on the field looking for trouble. I'm not. I'm just I'm competitive. Uh, I have a big heart, and I, and I, and I, I play for my teammates. And in no way am I ever going out there going, man, I really, I got to hurt somebody today, you know? Yeah, and, and I, I think you, you, you address it very, very well, and I thank you for talking about it. I do, let's, let's change the focus a little bit, but, but ask you a follow-up on that. Because, you know, people, I, I think the first thing people will say when they use adjectives to describe you are, are gritty and feisty, but... You can that that connotation can be twisted to to easily go to oh well he's gritty he must be dirty what do you what do you say when people continually call you gritty do you wear that as like a compliment or do you think to yourself well wait a second there's a lot more to my game than just being gritty or being willing to get stuck in you know I it's it's funny I you know I try to I try to just look back look I've been in the league a long time yes I've, I've been lucky enough to. I shouldn't say lucky because I worked hard to be where I am, but I, I've been fortunate enough to play for some very good coaches. Um, and every single coach that I've played for has had faith in me throughout it, throughout the season. Um, so am I gritty? Yeah. And do I bring something? Do, do I have certain strengths and weaknesses? Of course. Um, but, but I'm okay with, with, with being on the field because I, because I work hard and because I'm gritty and because a coach knows that no matter what, I'm going to do everything in my power to, to help our team succeed. Um, and, and I'm okay with that because you know what, at the end of the day, when, when, when we won an Eastern conference championship in, in Houston, Mm -hmm. when, you know, when we, when we went, when we're on our way right now to having a good year here, I I don't care about what, what, uh, people are saying about me. I care about the accomplishments that I've been able to have with my teammates and my friends. Um, and that's, that's how, that's how I look at it, you know? Um, so no, I don't, I don't look at it as a, when people say, Oh, he's gritty. He's, I don't look at that as a negative thing. I don't really look at it at all because I, I believe in myself and my coaches in the last five years have all believed in me, you know, and, and that's, that's what matters to me. And I, I remember when you got traded from DC to Philly, I, I thought to myself, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia, the city and Philadelphia Union fans specifically are going to love Danny Cruz. And just judging by the way, again, back to your Twitter feed, it feels like it's mutual now. How great or how much of a connection do you have with the Sons of Ben and the rest of the Union fans? Yeah, I mean, look, they've this city's been great to me. It's been great to me since I've been here. The club's been great to me. Um, My teammates have been great to me. And, And, you know, I look, I look to every little thing that we've had occur. I mean, especially this last weekend, if you look at the way that the fans were behind us till the 95th minute and we went down a man and you look at the amount of support that we continue to get, it, it takes our job a lot easier. I mean, it really does because not only are you playing for your teammates and, and your, and your organization, but you're playing for, for fans who genuinely love the, love the game and they, and they love this city and they love anything who will represent the city the best that they can. And they're fair. You know, they're fair. Yeah, and that's that's what I've always found. Again, that's my hometown, so I, I think I know yeah. the city pretty well. And it, to me, it's always been the fans of any sport in Philly. Put in an honest day's work, and we're going to love you no matter what. And that's kind of that's, – that's, that's your MO. I put in an honest day's work every time I step out on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, look, I, you know, at the end of the day, if I can look myself in the mirror and tell myself that I did everything that I could for the players that I'm on the field with and for my coach and – and for myself, um, 
then then it's it's tough to walk away unhappy. So that makes sense. Has there ever been an atmosphere uh, as electric as it was after Cliberson put that ball in the net in the ninety fourth oh, minute? Oh man, I, it it will be very tough to uh, it's it's tough to see something like that in person. Um, or sorry, to to compare that to something else because that was that was one of the most amazing feelings I, I've had. <laughs> Um, I ran right onto the field right when the whistle blew, like we had just won the conference championship. It, because you know what, we worked so hard all game, um, and I felt like we deserved that. And you know what, he deserved that. He he's been an unbelievable professional throughout the season, and he's someone that gets along with everybody in the locker room. So humble, and he he deserved it more than anything. So now you've got a situation brewing. Um, you know, you'd figure, and I know you're not going to say this, but you'd figure, okay, DC that's a game that we should be able to pull points from, if not all three points. Uh, then we've got Montreal, who are in the same position we are. And then we've got Sporting Kansas City uh, to wrap up the season, who are Sporting Kansas City. This is not going to be an easy stretch for your hashtag playoff push. By no means. By no means. Um, and, and, and none of us are looking at it as it is. I can tell you this. No one's going into D.C. this weekend um, in our eyes, whether you believe me or not, thinking, oh, man, we're going to win this game. Um, well, it's a rivalry um, that's game. That's obviously the goal. But anytime you're playing your, one of your rivals, exactly. anything can happen. Um, and 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 I think you're going to see a group of us come out um, fighting fighting for for the playoffs. And and there's so much at stake for us, for our club, um, for the organization, and, and for us as players. You know. You guys are in a situation though where you've got an outside back situation going into this weekend, uh, heading to RFK and taking on DC United. Did you go into Hackworth's office and and put your hand up if you need somebody back there, Coach? <laughs> yeah, he knows I would. He definitely knows I would. My hand's always up. But um, you know, if that's one thing that our staff has done a great job of this year, it's uh, figuring out the puzzle, figuring out what's going to work best on the weekend, um, and and they'll do that. Um, obviously we, we're not sure obviously anything that's going on yet being so early in the week, but, um, they'll get it sorted. They always do. And, um, hopefully we can continue playing well on the road or getting results on the road as we have been. Now, if I'm Danny Cruz and the coach comes in and says that I'll go, Hey, yeah, you know what? I'll do anything for the team. Might I remind you though of, uh, of a man center of the pitch on a break against TFC, a beautiful layoff to Antoine Hoppeno. Uh, who probably should have finished it, but he didn't. I'm just telling you, I can create as well, Coach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, uh, whatever he wants me to do, I'll be doing. You know me, so um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, and it's it's uh, it's something that we're definitely looking forward to. <laughs> it was great seeing you pull some strings in the center of midfield. That's all I'm saying, Danny. It was nice. Appreciate that. Appreciate that, <laughs> Danny. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking some time and, and for your candor, as always. It's great talking to you, my friend. Uh, my pleasure. We'll see you this weekend. And he's not just blowing smoke. One of the really genuinely good guys in MLS, uh, Danny Cruz of Philadelphia Union. And, and I'm really glad that he was able to, to talk about a little bit about that article. Uh, I respect Kurt Larson. He's been on the show many, many times. Um, and I understand where what his point was on the article. Um, I just, some of the things were just were like, oh, I don't know. Dirtiest player. That's a hard thing to say. Um, so I'm glad we were able to have Danny Cruz on and talk about that. Let's keep ourselves north of the border since we were talking about things going on in Canada. Uh, that was TFC. They don't have much going on. But one of the other teams in Canada, Montreal Impact, they've got a lot going on. They're in a playoff push of their own. And let's talk to the woman who covers them for TSN 690 in Montreal. Amanda Stein joins us right now. Amanda, how are you? 
I am very well, thank you. How are you doing? Well, we're pulling you out of dinner, it sounds like. I, I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> no, no, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm happy to. Well, let's, let's start with something that is right in your wheelhouse that I saw today, okay. and I want to get your thoughts on. And that is mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the Olympic hockey team's jerseys, which were uh, released today. The Canadian hockey team jerseys that they'll be wearing next summer in Russia. Your thoughts, Amanda? I'm not sure how I feel about them. It's, it's funny. It's definitely a hot topic here. There were pictures leaked earlier this summer with them, and the initial reaction was people really didn't like them. We have a gas station here. I don't know if you have it down there, but it's called Petro Canada. And if you look up Petro Canada online, you're pretty much looking at one of the Team Canada jerseys for this coming year. So people certainly, I think when you think about Team Canada jerseys, they're pretty iconic, and they're something that different generations identify with, and I'm not so sure that this one is being uh, recepted the way Nike would have liked to. Of course, it was Nike who redesigned them for this uh, Olympics coming up in Sochi in February, so I want to say it's really mixed reaction more on the negative side. Well, what what don't Canadians like about them? I mean, they're very Canada. I mean, the Maple Leaf is slapped right on there. I think it's just we get accustomed to a a certain jersey and we identify with that one. And in particular with what happened in the Olympics last or last time around in in Vancouver, that jersey was absolutely everywhere. And like I said, this one sort of really goes away from the mark of what prior jerseys have sort of looked like or reflected. And I think people – aren't really down with that, especially the third black jersey. It just says Canada like, yeah, that's, right that's... across it. And I think that one threw people off a little bit because that one isn't so Canada. No. You know what I mean by no, that? No, like, not at all. Really not. It's more like United States. Yeah. Well, who who made the jerseys last time around? I want to say Reebok. I'm not sure who did them last time around. It, I, I want to say it was Reebok. But, but it, I, it, def- really... it wasn't Nike, though. No, it wasn't. And this was like a complete redesign of the whole jersey. So so certainly, uh, I, yeah, in terms of how it was recepted, some people like it, some people don't. I'm sort of sitting on the fence. But I know that once that team puts on the jersey and yes. they're playing in Sochi, nobody's going to care at all what the jersey looks like. They just want to bring home gold. Well, as we start moving towards the impact, how, yes. come, how, come, how come Roots doesn't do any of your stuff anymore? Roots? Yeah. I don't know why they don't do it anymore. I think they should. I love Roots. They should, so, right? That's that's a that's the, Roots is a Canadian like when I think of apparel and I think of Canadian apparel, Roots is the first brand that comes in my mind. I mean, when they did um Vancouver 4 years ago or 3 and a half years ago, most of the actual apparel in terms of like sweatshirts and gloves and things like that, that did come from Roots. Okay. It, yeah, so well, don't worry. They still exist in okay. the realm of Olympic sports for Canada. Love Roots. Uh, oh, and you know what? They, Impact can't use anything Roots because they've got the Adidas contract. Because I was gonna try, go. try to try it back in, but at some point, I like to see Roots get really back in and and, and maybe even do some soccer stuff. That'd be cool. That would be really cool. I love their stuff. Like I said before, I love their stuff. I wear their sweatpants all, all the time. <laughs> well, and it is. It's like a Canadian staple. I wear their sweatpants all the time. That's a, that's a great visual. Thank you, man. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, it's got to be getting cold up there because I've seen some pictures of you tweet that you've tweeted out. You're like bundled up. You're wearing like ski caps and stuff. 
Yeah, we got the ski caps going on, except for I just ran out of the restaurant to do this with you, and I <laughs> forgot my jacket inside. <laughs> so wow. All right. Standing, yeah. Well, I'm standing outside a little chilly, but uh, it's getting there. It's that time of year for us, so... Um, I also bundle up more than the average person because <laughs> I, I hate being cold. <laughs> well, and, and I, I kind of bring it back to, to the impact because, you know, outdoors, it's going to, if, you know, this playoff run, even even mm-hmm. if they don't make the playoffs throughout the month of October, it's chilly already. They're going to be playing. And if they do make the playoffs, we're looking at November outside in Montreal. I don't know if that was something that everybody planned on when they brought uh, Montreal into the league. I mean, well, whether they planned on it or not, they would have had to. I mean. I mean, look, if you're going to make the postseason and you want to play at Saputo Stadium and you're not building something with a roof over it, (laughs) I think the Saputo (laughs) family knows that it's going to snow and there will be snow. The ground will be tough. I know they're putting it, you know, they've had this, uh, like, I don't know how to say it in English, actually, like a réchauffage. It's like um, a heating system in the ground to sort of, be a little yeah. softer, if you will. So they're 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 working on things to make it more suitable. But I'm telling you, uh, there's two press boxes. There's one on the inside and one on the outside. And I've started <laughs> using the one on the inside. <laughs> I, I I commend them. I really do for playing in, in in the cold weather. Certainly, and when you do think about something like November, if they are to get there, you know, you you really do risk the the yeah. snow. And they've had that situation before where they've had to postpone a game early on in the season because the ground wasn't ready and there was too much snow or there was a snowstorm or something like that, and they've had to postpone a game or two. So uh, give me a little gauge on the mood of the team as they head into this weekend. I I wouldn't say this is a true must-win situation because um, they're kind of in the driver's seat for the fourth spot. I know they want to shoot for the third spot. Uh, Whilst it isn't a must-win game, this is a game, a match against uh, uh, the New England Revolution team who... It is kind of a must-win for them, and if they do happen to pick up all three points against Montreal, that puts Montreal in a really bad situation. So what's the mood of the team going into this weekend versus the Revs? I mean, I have to tell you that the, the mood for them is this is a must-win. They have to. They have to win this game, and maybe not in terms of the number game and in terms of you know where what happens in terms of the point, but for morale. At this point in the season... They've really been on a downward failure of seeing a lot of the veterans getting very tired. Uh, someone in particular, you know, you can look at Alessandro Nesta, certainly not who we, we've seen at the beginning of the season. Guys like Patrice Bernier dealing with a hip injury right now. They've got to win this game because they need that morale to go up. I don't want to say, you know, they're all depressed and stuff at practice, but certainly they know the consequences of I, I, not just losing the game or drawing the game, but that they know that they have to pick up points here to make themselves believe that they can do it. And I think that that's the biggest thing going forward here is that they've got to get back to a mentality where they believe in themselves. And of course, when you talk to athletes, they always say, oh yes, like we do believe in each other and things are going well, but the results aren't showing it. And really that's the only place where it matters. And I guess you bring up a great point and something that I hadn't thought about is, you know, as they continue this push, um, it'd be nice to be able to rest players towards the end of the season. And you can't do that if you're fighting for a spot. Yeah, exactly. You don't have that opportunity to rest players. And let me tell you with the way that this team has played, especially in the month of August, they played seven games in the month of August and with the CONCACAF and everything, there was a lot of travel, you know, they went, uh, to San Jose for an extra game and stuff like that. They're tired. The veterans are tired. And I'm not so sure that Marco Shalibon, the coach, really managed 
his team very well, especially through that month of August. I think that the young kids who are getting some more play now should have had that earlier on in the season. Even if you go just back to August, they should have been playing a lot more to manage this team to make sure that your veterans aren't worn out come that final push of the year. They never had a full grasp on, yes, we are for sure going to be in the playoffs. So when you don't have that certainty, you need to manage your team properly just in case you're in a situation like they are now where your veterans are worn out. I mean, to me, that's what it looks like. Their veterans are worn out, but they've got to keep playing them because the young kids haven't had enough time that the the chemistry is not quite there yet. Well, you brought up Nesta. Let's start there. What is his status as of today when we record this, which is a Tuesday evening? Uh, His status is he's probably tired. It's funny. I, um, I was talking to one of my colleagues today, and the impression we both have is he's just ready to retire. <laughs> I really do. Like, I really just feel that he's just letting it sort of play play out as it goes, but that he's just ready to call it quits. That's very interesting. So, uh, obviously, he's going to do a professional job when he's out there, but yes. you, you, you're saying, like, you can see it in his eyes that, you know, this grind is, is a bit much for a guy who was just hoping for a kind of a lap through the end of the year. Yeah, and certainly something you brought up as well before. I mean, it's cold here. And that's not easy on an older body. Yes. Playing outside, they practice outside. You know, it's not easy. And as much as as highly as we regard someone like Alessandro Nesta, the fact is he is an older player. He's had a lot of bumps and bruises. And it is exacerbated when you're in a city like Montreal and it's cold. So what do you expect then for the end of the for the rest of the season and and hopefully fingers crossed if you're an impact fan into the playoffs is Shelabom going to have to manage his minutes this, is, this isn't a situation where he's he obviously he's got a little nick now with the abductor but is is it going to be a situation where we have to pick and choose when we deploy him uh, Alessandro Nesta you're talking about Yes I mean it depends what what coach Shelabom wants to do it, it, it depends. Is he going to go all for it? If he's going to go all in for it, I think he's going to use Alessandro Nesta as much as he wants. You know, it's funny with someone like Nesta. Yes, he has a coach, but he really coaches himself. You know, when he wants to leave practice, he's done practice. I mean, he is a team player and he's there. But if he feels like he's done and can't give anymore, well, you sort of see him leave a bit earlier. So I think it'll be a, something that's in constant conversation between Nesta and Coach Shalibom as to how much he can physically play without actually hurting the team in the end. Interesting. And so it kind of is in Nesta's court to go, okay, you know what, I can I can give you 60 minutes today or I can give you the full 90, but it kind of the ball is in his court. I think, I mean, at the end of the day, it is in Coach Shalibom's court. I mean, he is the coach, but uh, I, I'm sure it is an active discussion. But He's also a winner, Alessandro Nesta. And, and as much as, you know, he may be looking towards retirement, there's also this notion that he, you know, he wants to give his 100% when he is out there. So it's finding that fine balance. They, they do have people who can play. They have defenders who can play. But you're looking at, you know, injured players now. And so if Alessandro Nesta is capable of playing, I expect him to be playing. Let's talk about DeVaio, leading scorer in MLS, having just a fantastic season. But now, um, as I'm reading um, about Montreal Impact, picked up a knock uh, previous to the Houston Dynamo match, aggravated it in the Dynamo ma- match. What's his status moving forward? 
Um, that is all I know so far. I, I, haven't, I don't have confirmation whether he's going to play or not going to play. My understanding is that he is at practice and that he will, you know, he's participating. Uh, but, I mean, you can't ask for a better season from him. No. He's done everything that he's had to do for this team. He's, he's lived up to everything that he was supposed to do here. Um, I, I, but, you know, if they don't have him because of injury, that is going to be a huge, huge, huge disadvantage for Montreal. And I don't think that they can get over this hurdle without uh, Marco Divayo, whether he's at 100% or 90% or 80%, they need him to be able to get over this hurdle and make that push for the postseason. I really don't see them being able to do it without him. I mean, you just you said it. Like, yeah. Look how many goals he scored, you know? Uh, they need that. They need that. They need him. Let me ask you, and I, you probably haven't asked him this question, but maybe something in the back of your mind when you're at practice next time, you could ask him this. Because the first thing that people say about, well, when you're watching a telecast, first thing they say is the MLS leading score. Then the second thing, quickly followed up with, also lead the league by a wide margin in offside car- calls. Do, <laughs> does, do you think that... Do, oh, I take so much flack on my show for calling him out for his <laughs> offside. I take so much flack for this. It's become a bit of a joke. You know, like yeah. we joke about it now because it does happen. And, and then, listen, he's Marco DeVaio. He is a step ahead of everybody else <laughs> in terms of, you know, seeing the game. I think he sees it a little quicker than some of the MLS players. And so he finds himself offside. But, oh, man, I can't even tell you how much black. So have you have you ever sometimes. have you ever asked him, like, does, does he does it bother? Does he even care? It's like, whatever, dude, I'm I popping in goals. Care. Yeah, I think, look, I mean, again, like with any athlete, you can bring up some sort of negative, but when they're really playing at the top of their game, like he is scoring all these goals, he'll sort of look at you and be like, really? (laughs) You're really like, you're going to like call me on my offside when I'm scoring 20 goals a season? All right. So um, let me ask you about one more injured player, uh, and that would be Patrice Bernier, who was such a catalyst catalyst for the for the team at the beginning of the season, but has kind of had some nicks and knocks, kind of like what you've been referring to uh, that a lot of the guys in the team have. Where, where are we at with him? Uh, same sort of status. He's dealing with it's a hip injury for him. Uh, last I checked in with the coaching staff and with their PR people, it's a hip injury. Uh, they just got back to practice today, and I, I wasn't able to get there today. I was uh, busy doing some other things for work, uh, but I'll have a chance to get a little more information on him tomorrow. So I can't okay. elaborate more, but it is it is a hip injury, and he's another guy that they need healthy. Now the It's good... crazy that the season's almost over and that this is the position they're in. You, yeah. know, you think about where they were at the beginning of the season, and I often say, you know, I often wonder, were they just overachieving? right at the beginning you know were they just like playing way above their heads and now they're back to reality i don't know which one is the real team well i mean we talked about it whenever we talked which was maybe june or may and you know my my concern for the team was the age and whether they had a full season in their legs and you know it's kind of being borne out right now they're kind of hanging on and luckily they had such a strong start um because if not they'd be probably out of a playoff spot now, but now now it's just hang on and all hands on deck to get to the playoffs. 
Yeah, it's sort of the opposite what happened last year under Jesse Marsh, right? They had a really, really slow start. It was pretty brutal capturing yeah. them. Uh, and then towards the end of the season, the final six, seven games, they really found their ground and they really started gaining that momentum. Well, now we're seeing the opposite this time where they started, they came flying out of the gates. And really, at, when I look at it, what they were doing there is they built themselves a cushion that you would hope they wouldn't have to use, but now you're now seeing using how important that yep. cushion is because they're on the verge of, you know, they're sort of in limbo. They're in purgatory. They don't know which way they're going. Um, so, and that is all thanks to what happened at the beginning of the season that they've given themselves a little bit of breathing room, but uh, it's certainly uh, caving in on them quickly. Now, the good news is um, it seems as if uh, Bernadello will is, yes. is back to full fitness and is available for selection for the weekend. I would imagine if this were a perfect world that uh, Shellebaum would probably want to hold him out or at least make save a cameo appearance for him, but it, it may be a situation where he's going to have to use him. Well, that's just it. I think that we talk about Duvio and people like Bernie and people with bumps and bruises who may not have the chance to play either the full 90 or at all. Um, but having someone like Hernan Bernadello, who hasn't played that much with this team, when he came over, he was a big acquisition in the middle of the season and then unfortunately got injured really you know, right after yeah. he came over here. But he's someone that they can certainly rely on. He's sort of a, a, another spark. And when he did get a chance to play earlier on in the season, we saw a lot of good things from him. We saw that he was meshing well with the other players. So he might be the saving grace in this season in terms of making that last push, giving someone like Marco Di Vaio a little extra support in terms of goal support. Uh, so certainly having him, I think he will probably have to end up playing the way injury things are looking. Um, maybe not the full 90. I think he's going to have to be integrated in, but certainly I do expect him to get some time in these final games. Okay, so let's set it up before I let you get back in and finish up your dinner. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, on the good on the good side for impact um, they are in that slot ahead of the, the other teams jockeying for position. They do have a game in hand on most of those teams. They actually have two on the Red Bulls, but I don't think that's going to come into play very much. Um, and they do have a match at home versus uh, the Revs. And then their other home match is against another team battling for a spot. We spoke to Danny Cruz earlier, and that will be Philadelphia Union. So they've got both of the teams that are trying to catch them at home. Now, the bad news is... The, both of those teams are kind of feeling their oats. You've also got a long trip out to L.A. to play the Galaxy. And then you yep. wrap up the season with what should be an easy game against TFC until you factor in it's TFC versus Montreal, which is always a barn burner. It's going to be an interesting end of the season, an interesting month of October for the Impact. Oh, it certainly is. And I, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head there with TFC. A lot of colleagues that I've spoken to, I had a chance to actually speak a lot of impact today with some colleagues, and we all sort of circled that Toronto game. Toronto FC, obviously not in the same category as Montreal in terms of positioning, but like you said, it is Montreal-Toronto. And no matter where these athletes are from, they get up for this game. And you're, it could come down to that is the game that decides whether Montreal heads to the postseason or not. And that's very typical of things in Montreal because often we see the Montreal Canadiens having to battle it out against the Leafs in the final game of the season to either go to the postseason or not. So it's a very typical situation yeah. for Montreal fans to experience and it gives an, an added dimension to that rivalry. And it could very well be that type of situation where they need that win 
to get into the postseason, and I have no doubt that the Montreal Ultras will be making that trip to give them the support. And probably, you know, there'll be more Montreal Ultras than there will be. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know, I know that uh, the Canadians are back in action, so they're they're taking their rightful place at the top of the food chain. But um, is the team excited for the impact in the season that they've had? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, the city. I mean, it, that's it. You know, nobody's ever going to come into this city, and I don't think the Saputo family ever imagined that they would surpass uh, the Montreal Canadiens. It's just not something that is ever going to happen, I don't think, in my lifetime. And they're doing a good job. They have a niche. You know, they, yeah. they've really targeted their fans, and Montreal Impact fans are there, and they show up. And so I don't think attendance is really a worry. And really, Montreal, in terms of the impact, and the Alouettes, our CFL team, our Canadian football team, and the Impact, they've really managed to create these schedules where there really is no conflict, where you're giving people the options. And I, I know that Montreal like races to the playoffs. Montreal fans like that. Excuse me, And they will be there uh, to support the Montreal Impact 100%. I have no doubt. But yes, uh, Montreal Canadians certainly take the cake over here. Where, where are you eating at this evening? Oh my gosh, my favorite Chinese restaurant in the city. <laughs> it's called La Maison Cheng Mei. It's on Queen Mary. I don't know if anybody's ever here. Next time you're up here, we'll have to go. It's 5055 Queen Mary. It is fantastic. <laughs> I, I love that uh, even the Chinese restaurant gets a French twist on their name. That's very nice. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Amanda Stein, thank you so much. I'm sorry we pulled you away, but get back in and finish up your food. We'll talk to you later on in the season, hopefully. Uh, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. For more show information, go to pitchpass.com.